coming up on this episode of the Happy Pair Podcast. My mum and dad, when I was growing up, always argued about money. You know, my mum was on benefits. We were living in a council flat. So it does make life less stressful, but it isn't the thing that motivates me because for me, it's about purpose. It's about, you know, what made me do pee with Joe for 18 weeks of a broken hand? What made me get up every day at 9am? It was the fact that I knew I was helping people. So for me, success is when you're helping others, when you're truly, truly like benefiting and impacting other people's lives is where we we really find our happiness because we are essentially connected. Welcome to the Happy Pair Podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Steve. And welcome aboard. This podcast is in partnership with SuperValue and the purpose is really to inspire you to be a happier, healthier version of yourself and to give you some practical takeaways. This is episode one and we are honored to say that it's with the wonderful Joe Wicks. Joe is a friend and for many people who don't know Joe, there's a real gentleman and a soft Mr. Joe. In this podcast, we cover what success means, what's his mission, how did he get to be the wonderful Joe Wicks that we all love and admire. And we go a little bit deeper beneath kind of some of the stuff you might have heard with Joe. He's a glorious human, someone we admire greatly. And certainly we got a huge amount from this conversation, so really hope you do too. So thanks for your attention. Buckle down and really enjoy it. Okay, game on, Joe. Let's do it, boys. The great Joe Wicks. Welcome aboard, Joe. Oh, what a pleasure. So lovely to be a a guest on your podcast. I've always thought, when are them boys going to get on the couple of microphones and start their own podcast? Delighted. Thanks, Joe. You're amazing. Uh, First one I'm going to start with is kind of a cheesy one. In interviews, when we'd hired staff, we'd ask them, if you were to describe yourself as a fruit or vegetable, what would you be and why? Joe Wicks. Oh, that's a good question to start things off. That's a kicker, isn't it? I would be, I think I'd be a banana because... You know, I'm versatile, I mix well with everything else, I'm sweet and I'm nice and bright. I'm a nice bright colour. <laughs> happiness into someone's life. Great I answer. love it, I love it. Okay, question number two, the great Joe Wicks. Okay, you, we're having a fancy dinner. This is an imaginable dinner. You are allowed to invite three guests, dead or alive. They cannot be your family. Who would they be? So three people that inspire you that you'd love to actually, you know, go deep with. So I, this is one of those things that when you put on the spot, it's always difficult. But I've got a few people in, my, in mind that I think of when I, I think who are just really interesting and fascinating and have had an amazing life. So the first one would be Louis Theroux because he came on my podcast and he's such an interesting guy. And I love, his, I love all his interviews, all the shows he's done. So I think getting to know him a little bit better and asking him about all those amazing journeys and the people he's met would be quite fascinating. Wow. Um, second person would be, again, the king of you know wildlife and nature. It's got to be David Attenborough because... He's probably the world, the world's most travelled, you know, world's most travelled man. And I think some of the things he's seen, I, I love his shows. And I think to get to know him and find out a bit more about just his experiences with, with life and get some wisdom, like download some wisdom from um, David Attenborough, would be incredible. And then the final one, I think, a little bit of a curveball. Um, I didn't get to meet the Queen this year. I got my MBE, but I would love to meet the Queen um, and, you know, celebrate, have a gin and tonic event, celebrate that <laughs> she's given me an MBE and ask her about life and... Because I'm going to start watching The Crown, so I might ask her what she thinks of it. That's, That's hilarious. Amazing. Okay, next one I'm going to go into, and it's quite relevant to like something that I struggle with, is that kind of balance between social media and real life. And it's something that often, when I'm lost in a moment, I don't go near my phone. And I don't even think to put it on social media. And then sometimes I'll do things and I go, did I do that for me or did I do that for social media? So my question to you is, how do you navigate that? How do you balance that? Because it's something that I struggle with and constantly I have to kind of, redefine it for myself so any suggestions what do you struggle with it and how do you find it i feel exactly the same with you as you you know in terms of my consumption and some days i'm really into sharing stuff other days i just don't want to have the camera around the kids and it's that thing of 
you know, sometimes they'll do something really cute and you're like, I'll do that again. It's, you know, that'd be lovely on my Instagram. And I kind of did that a lot during the weaning 15 when that chart, that weaning book came out. I shared so much content, you know, every breakfast and lunch and I was filming them. And then the book came out and I kind of felt like, do you know what? I don't want to have my phone out anymore. I don't want to have it out every dinner time. So I'm definitely um, producing less content like recipe stuff because between the hours of 5 and 7.30 p.m. now, I don't have my phone. I leave it downstairs so that I can do dinner time um, and I can do um, bath time and, and bedtime with the kids because I used to have it and it'd be distracting. I think you've got to like earn some of those hours back and win them back by really blocking the phone out. And then you can have some really quality time. And then when the kids are asleep, I can go back to, you know, Instagram DMs and doing my work. But yeah, it's a, it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Like my success is because of social media, but I also like being private with some things and like having days where I just switch it off. There's a calmness to you and a, like a, a kind of, like you like your own space and you like calm and you like quiet. And then your kind of public persona is, is, is very kind of high energy and whatnot. How do you kind of balance that? And I guess that, that kind of links in with the private and public, Joe. I think if you look back to the early days of, of Lean and 15 and I was this really kind of high energy character and it, it was me, but it was like me over the top, you know, exaggerating, being kind of like loud and a bit more confident. But I'm actually like, I'm quite self-conscious. I'm quite a shy person. I'm not someone who wants to be on, you know, in the limelight and wants all the attention. But I know that when I do these things, it's, it's an amazing way of connecting with people. It makes people laugh. It, it kind of, it breaks the barrier of like fitness is scary and food is really challenging and difficult. So I kind of... um you know, I've got, I've grown out of that a little bit, you know, the shouting and the screaming out the window and the throwing the food in the pan. I still do it, but not with as much kind of, because when I listen back, I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm the most annoying person when I watch those videos back. But it broke through the noise, you know, it broke through, um, the, you know, it, it, it made me stand out, I suppose. But yeah, I'm much more calm in real life. But people that follow me probably think he's always hyperactive, he's always buzzing. Um, but I am myself, you know, what you see on social media now, nowadays on stories is me, it's just me being me. Like, I'm not having to kind of over-exaggerate and be over the top of it. Whereas in the early days, I think Lean in 15 and the body coach was probably a bit more of a character, if you like. Yeah, Very I think good. that's really good. And I think that's something that I always really admire is that you, you make yourself so relatable. Like you'll often, I'm struggling with this or I haven't run inside. I, I saw recently kind of doing a, a, a kind of, it was a video just talking about how you hadn't run 10K for a long while and you went and did it and you pushed through it. And, and it makes you so relatable that you're, and even you talked about bloating, you talk about struggling with motivation. I think that's something that I really admire that you're, you make makes yourself so relatable because often Instagram, it can be people showing their best life and only showing their perfect side. And I think, is that something that you consciously had to kind of get to a point where I want to be more me and be real and be more transparent? It's kind of like subconscious. I just do it without thinking. I just, I just am my, my you know, I am me and I share the honest openness of like, the highs and lows of motivation, you know, as a parent, as a trainer, as an entrepreneur, like some days I'm really motivated, some days I'm not. But on the days I share the things like about my mental health suffering, or I'm having a blowout, or I haven't trained for a week, people love that because it's like, they feel the same, they're going for exactly the same thing. And I think a lot of people on social media may have a filter on where they only show the best, like you said, and everyone looks superhuman, but it's okay to not be perfect and to not have a an amazing... um diet every day and not be super energized and exercising every day we are going to have emotional days where we feel like we just want to go and get junk food or we want to don't do any exercise so i think that's the reason i've grown i think the reason like when i started out on social media there were people around me with 50,000 100,000 followers and i think wow like that's incredible but they kind of got stuck if you like in that number they never really broke through and i think 
the reason I've continued to grow is because I'm so consistent and I'm just so honest and real. And people are, I think, drawn to that, that the, the genuineness of someone's personality. We kind of people, we found we're quite binary. People love us or hate us. And, you know, for all the good comments you get, you get lots of negative ones. And often, at least the human, it seems to be most humans struggle with this. We tend to, we don't see the good ones. We see the bad ones and we remember them and they stick to us. So how do you balance criticism and kind of people kind of just giving out to you or challenging you? It's very, um, I'd say that the sentiment on my channels is very positive, but you know, the 1% is, is basically all around the same thing that I don't promote calorie counting. So it's the biggest, it's the only thing I ever get stick about the fact that I don't put calories in my books, the fact that I promote just like, you know, healthy cooking and I don't want people to overthink it. And like, you know, like I don't know many people myself that actually like track and count calories and know exactly what they're eating every day. But I do know that the biggest challenge is getting people to cook and cook at home and enjoy cooking and and exercise so for me i think i've always believed in that message and i've always stuck by it even with my new fitness app there's no calories of course it calculates a portion size it calculates roughly what someone should be eating a week but it's not about obsessing and i and i think that you know i I just stick by that i believe that the majority of people in this world the mass market of people just want to eat and learn to cook and exercise and when you start living in that mindset of like tracking everything every day it can i think it can form unhealthy relationships so for the for the criticism I've had, I've never ever responded, never retaliated, never replied. I always just um, block and delete, or just like ignore it and move on. And then you even you does it ever get in on you, or do you kind of have to kind of just shake it off and maybe go do a bit of exercise, or how, how do you deal with it? In the early days when it used to happen, I used to get really affected by it. You know, I used to I used to find it, I used to like drain my energy because I'd be like, I'm such a positive person, I'm putting out all this love, and I'm I'm so kind, and I'm always sharing this these free content and all this workout, and people would still dig me out, and it did used to affect me. You know, people would make like actual full length YouTube videos about me and why the body coaches are fraud, you know, why. And, and, you know, sometimes I watch them, sometimes I didn't, but sometimes people would tweet me and you kind of see it. And then there'd be like podcasts about me. And it always, in the end, I realized that it came from people who were probably like struggling themselves. And I know it's hard being a personal trainer. It's hard breaking out. It's, it's hard trying to stand out and be, be um, you know, be successful. So I always come at it now. I'm much more empathetic. I understand people's frustration. And so my success I think it should inspire you. Like, I was just like you. I was a PT in a park with no clients. And I worked really hard on it. And I worked hard on my Instagram. And I continue to work hard on my YouTube. So I hope that people that are in that jealous, envious kind of mindset will switch and start to actually be inspired and motivated by me. That's what I want. Anyone that hates on me, I really think they should look and just go through another lens and say, how did he achieve what he did? You know, Why is he doing good things? And maybe I can learn from that as opposed to attacking him. So my my philosophy is look it's going to be there you're never going to make everybody happy you're never going to not everyone's going to love you but really just block it out ignore it you know if you have to delete people whatever yeah, but yeah good. you just have to look, look forward and focus on all the positive wonderful messages when you're changing people's lives every day like you are yeah great job well done on the app it looks great i loved your video it was really good i remember watching it going, oh, thanks guys play, joe great job it's brilliant it's brilliant uh, okay in terms of now you're a parent and you've got two wonderful kids how do you deal with feeding them and what what are your kind of focuses because obviously you've written no, how many cookbooks now are you on eight or nine I've done nine I've done nine, nine cookbooks and one of them was a, a weaning book so when I started weaning the babies I obviously I had no idea what I was doing um I, I reached out to this wonderful um nutritionist called Charlotte Sterling Reed and she kind of coached me through it and gave me loads of advice and I was like I'd love to share a recipe book so together we worked on it um and it's been an amazing book it's really helpful because it does guide you through that process of what kids can and can't eat and um you know what what to kind of kick them off with and I uh, I pushed Indy and Marley quite quickly onto like adult food, if you like, because I didn't want them to just be on puree. So I got them eating like risottos and 
curries and um, butternut, you know, but roasted butternut squash and, um, you know, um, like kidney bean mash and all these lovely vegetables. So they're, I would say they're pretty much 90% veggie. They eat a little bit of fish and some eggs, but I've never really given them a lot of meat. And I mean, even myself personally, I have reduced my meat consumption massively. Since I did the, uh, the veggie book, that sent me on an adventure where actually I realised that veggie food's amazing. So now when I order my Gusto recipes, they're always veggie. I do four recipes a week. Um, and I love it. You know, it's, it's making me feel better. I feel I feel emotionally like better for it because I'm not eating loads of meat. I feel lighter. I feel kind of um, yeah. I just feel proud that I've I've converted. That I, I used to always think it was meat, meat, meat every single day, all day long. And I've realised that you don't need it with every meal. So yeah, I've definitely changed my um my habits, and especially with the kids as well. Yeah, we were. We, I know we were the same growing up. We were meat, 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 rugby players. This type of thing, and we went on a similar journey. And I, I and I remember, I remember last time we talked to you, you were saying that you just watched David Attenborough's "My Life on Planet Earth" or whatever it was called, the most and recent it, one. It's the pre- most recent pre- one, and you were just saying how you were kind of aware that you wanted to consciously start eating more plant based or more fruit and veg, really, for the planet as much as your own health. So, have you found this is my issue? This is what I struggle with, and it's my my contradiction is that. I have these feelings towards electric cars, but I've just got a new Mini that's a petrol engine. I, I, I really want to help the planet, but I still have a burger and a steak when I go out sometimes. So it's like I'm torn, but I still know that I'm making such better decisions and I'm being way less greedy with me and, and, and kind of, you know, my carbon footprint. But it's that thing of I'm, I still haven't been able to. Like Nicky went to the Tony Robbins thing in London, Unleash the Power of you know, whatever it's called. Um, and he came home and he's been a veggie ever since. He hasn't touched meat for like a year and a half now. Um, something in his mind has shifted and I suppose I think I'll get there I think eventually we all have to I think we will reduce our meat consumption but I still have the odd bit of fish and I still have a nice steak when I go out but I'm not really buying mints and all the beef that I used to buy a lot of when I was at home okay so I always admire Jim Carrey's expression that I wish everyone would be rich and famous because they realize that's not the answer so just curious for you someone who Anyone listening could go, that's Joe Wicks. Wow, phenomenal. He's so successful. How do you define success now where you're sitting and where, who you are in yourself? Well, a lot of people associate success with, you know, fame and money and what you own and the possessions. And I've never really been about that. I never, if I think back to the start when I started my mission, it was like literally me on an iPhone in my flat. And I was like, I want to share recipes. I want to share workout videos. I want to just get people moving. So you know, my success came gradually. I, I got more follow. I got more followers, and then I got a book deal, and then I got a DVD, and it was it was all a kind of nice gradual process. Well, I didn't get thrust into fame and money. It wasn't like I just, it happened overnight. So for me, it allows me to have a stress free life. You know, the the thing with money is it allow. My mum and dad, when I was growing up, always argued about money. It was the only thing they probably you know really found difficult, and we struggled. We were you know my mum was on benefits. We were living in a council flat. So it does make life less stressful and it allows you a certain freedom, but it isn't the thing that motivates me because I need to have more than that. For me, it's about purpose. It's about, you know, what made me do pee with Joe for 18 weeks of a broken hand? What made me get up every day at 9am? It was the fact that I knew I was helping people. So for me, success is when you're helping others, when you're truly, truly like benefiting and impacting other people's lives is where we tr- we really find our happiness because we are essentially connected um, through love, right? It's love for others. It's caring for others. And we all have our own way of doing that. It could be a social media audience. It could be looking after your neighbours and your your mum and dad and your nan. Like it's, I just feel like when you're truly serving others, you're you're going to find true happiness way more than any motorbike I can buy, any watch, any new laptop, any phone. Like all those things are kind of, 
just external, but the internal stuff that makes you feel good is normally related to other people and, and other relationships that you have. Great answer, that's, Joe. That's the ultimate spirituality right there. It really is. Yeah. I, I got a question, and it's more almost asking for your, your advice. So I was sitting with a friend yesterday. Uh, she's 18. She's really struggling school. She kind of wants to quit. And I was kind of like, I, I, I kind of often have kind of helped guide her in various things. And I was just kind of wondering, you know, I was kind of saying, well, I think it's about finding your purpose and finding something that you love and really pursuing that. Would there be any advice that you give to any similar teenager or someone who's feeling a bit lost or someone that's feeling a bit down? Would there be anything that you'd say beyond exercise? Because obviously that's something in that's so... In terms of finding your purpose or in terms of like, you've obviously got a real serious thing that motivates you and you want to make people's lives better. What would you, can, your advice be to someone that's looking to try to find their purpose or that thing to kind of get them up every morning, you know? Well, firstly, you know, I was I was really lost and confused up until about 25. I was at 25. I packed my bicycle in a cardboard box. I flew to Canada and I cycled 2000 miles down the west coast of Canada to Mexico because I couldn't handle anything. I didn't want to work. I didn't want to be in education. I didn't want a career. I didn't want to be in a relationship. I was running away um, because I was lost. I was just like, what am I doing in my life? I don't know what I want to do. So there's that, that feeling kind of a lot of people have that feeling and for many years you know so don't I think at 18 you've got so many years to explore things and try different things and don't feel like the minute you go and become a teacher you're a teacher for life or the minute you become a personal trainer that you do that for life because nowadays we can have more freedom to try new things and explore different avenues so I would say just start trying things like sometimes it could be a hobby that becomes a passion and then it becomes a craft and you, you launch your own little website and you start selling little kind of homemade products it could be something so simple that may not make you a millionaire but it could create a lifestyle that makes you really happy or you could set up a wonderful uh, fruit and veg sh- shop in Ireland and it could lead <laughs> on to becoming an amazing brand with the most wonderful pr- products in supermarkets so don't put yourself under pressure um like I said I didn't know what I was doing but when I when I committed I said I'm just going to go and try and become a personal trainer and I did my course and within a few days I was like I really love this I love learning about the human body I love motivating people I love inspiring people and it was just that was it when I knew what I was good at and I knew I had the passion. That's where my success and my career has come from. But I don't think you always necessarily know straight away until you've tried a few things. And and did you kind of, did you envisage it? Like, you know, when you started back, you know, back when you were doing your PT course and back when you started doing your workouts in the park, did you ever envisage where you are now? Like, did you kind of have that vision? or It was just like an energy and a kind of feeling that this is what I love doing. You know, there's, there's no money. I'm not making money from Twitter and Instagram. I'm not making money from YouTube. I'm not making money from a 90-day plan. I was just a personal trainer running a boot camp with about 50 clients. And, you know, I I just wanted more. There was something in me that said, you've got to keep pushing forward because this isn't enough for you, Joe. You want to reach more people. You want to connect with more people. So I think I sensed that, you know, I had a bit an ability to connect with people and, and really, like, do that through social media and through the internet and through YouTube. But I never had... I never knew I was going to get a book deal. I never knew I was going to sell all those books. I never had an ambition. I was very much like, I just want to do this to have fun. And if anything comes of it, it does. But I think when people go into certain things with just the focus of build a business, sell products, get brand deals, make money, it doesn't always work. You have to be, I think, the ones that really stand out in this world are the ones that are genuinely purpose and mission driven. Look at Jamie Oliver now after all these years, still doing mission work, still campaigning for the health of the nation. And I'm the same. I really believe that, kids should exercise that we should all eat healthy food and i'll campaign like that forever so you know that about me you've seen me like at the start when i'd say 100 200 followers in, in, in wellfest in dublin you couldn't have seen me and go one day he's going to do a youtube workout and 80 million kids are going to take part because i was just another trainer at a fitness festival 
but I'm so driven by this energy, this purpose that's pushing me forward and this internal voice. I've got a cheerleader. You might have this, this like voice that just says, keep going back, keep turning up, keep doing what you're doing. Forget about the haters, do what you love and it will grow and it will build. And that is what I've got. This little Jiminy Cricket in my head, like a conscience giving me a high five all the time. Whereas I know some people, even friends of mine have the negative voice that says, you're not going to do that. It's going to, it's going to fail. Why bother? And so listen to the voice and try and get that positive cheerleader. And and in terms of like, I think you've kind of teed up for like mental health obviously is so rampant for all of us and all of us want to feel good more than we feel bad. We want to wake up and feel motivated. We all want to have a purpose. We all want to be successful, whatever that is. So what are things that you do to keep your, you know, keep yourself up? Like obviously exercise is one of your core things, but what are other things when you feel, when Joe's not having a good day, when you're not feeling good? And you don't want to share things on, on social media. What, are there what, anything that kind of helps you turn it around, you know? Well, things that are linked to my mood changing is, is eating junk food really affects my mood. Like just not eating healthy food like brings me down. Um, and not exercising also affects my mood and my patience and my tolerance around the kids. You know, it all kind of goes out the window. So for me, it's not, it's not about motivation. It's discipline. I'm just disciplined. I know that when I wake up, I can't upstairs. I do a bit of exercise. I feel incredible. I feel better for it. But if I'm going to switch off, like I do love a holiday. I love, although you might look and think he's always working. The geezer loves it. But I actually love just doing nothing. I love going on holiday to like the Maldives or Costa Rica and being in the jungle without my phone and just being with the kids and laying around a pool all day long doing nothing, not even reading, just like burning the time and eating breakfast and then waiting for lunch and then for dinner and going to sleep. Like, I love that. But if I'm, he- if I'm here in the UK and it's a dry day and I've got the sun out, I love going out on a little ride on my motorbike. I find that very therapeutic. It's quite de-stressing for me. Um, and then just being with the kids, you know, going for a walk. We've got a lovely lake near us. We go, we go for a walk around the lake. I think being in nature is a massive a chemical, like, endorphin reset button that just kind of brings you back to the moment. So Richmond Park's my favourite place to go. Um, and, yeah, I love it. I just love being with my family and my friends. So socialising is another big thing. Um, what about you guys? What do you love to do on a day off? What are you into? Uh, well, at the moment, days off are rare because it's kind of like Groundhog Day here. You can't really, like Ireland in Corona, you can't really go anywhere, really. So days off blur into work days and whatever. But uh, obviously love to swim in the sea and it's something that really helps us stay grounded. And as you said, connecting with nature, it's kind of... The, or even, I, even if I think back to Saturday just gone, like it was, we had a, we swam on the beach, which you've joined us a number of times and there was loads of people. It was like a party. It's like starting the day with a party. We um, then went up and we had breakfast up in the cafe and there was lots of people around and it was good fun. All socially distanced for anyone. All socially distanced, yeah, in case. Distance. And then we took the kids to a swimming pool, which was really fun, and we all went swimming. And that's obviously the highlight of their week. They just love learning to swim. And then we went for a run and then, you know. I ended up was- One of my favourite memories is coming over to you when I came with the, you know, with the kids and Rosie and Nikki came. And I, I really felt for the first time and I understood like, what you've created and it's not... It's not just a restaurant and a cafe and products. It's like an actual community. I loved how the people that worked there were just so kind and friendly. They were like hugging and saying hi. And then, you know, we went down and did the sea dip. We had the sea swim. And then like, you know, yeah, like having the little like brownies and the lovely porridge you make. It's, it's really, I think it's so unique. I mean, have you, ever been in, have you been anywhere in the world where you've seen a happy pair equivalent in another country? Or do you think what you've built is quite, quite unique? I, th- I think everything is kind of unique. I think community is something that's very lacking in modern day society. I think we're more digitally collected than ever. But like you'll be aware of this in 2018, there was a minister for loneliness appointed in the UK. And I think in this we're we're living through an epidemic where this need to connect physically and have a sense of tribe and be a part of something is so 
a part of it. And I guess that's something that we always really wanted to create a sense of people that really look out for each other and that kind of really care for each other. And when, when Joe's not there, you're going, where's Joe? I miss Joe. You know, that way that you're, you're a part of something. I think, I think the reason you two are so happy and energized all the time, I think it is because of that love, like the connection between those people you work with and the people that, you know, visit your cafe and that you go swimming every day. It's like you have like, it's like an extended family, isn't it? Like, and you know, I think if you lost, if everything in the world disappeared, you lost all your money, all your cars, you would still have that energy and happiness because you've got this connection to people. And that's what a lot of people don't have. Famous, successful, really wealthy people often disconnect, don't they? Because they, they feel guarded, they feel private, they don't trust anybody. Then the loneliness kicks in and then people suffer with depression, anxiety. And, the, you know, some of the greatest musicians of our time, like, you know, killing themselves through drug addiction. So it is, if we all look at it, we all come to the same conclusion one day that the most important part of life is love and connection and it's being with people it's not about being lonely and being in this castle and being all around with all these rich things and all these wonderful things around you like i'm my most happiest when i'm with my friends or when i'm doing something that lots of people are taking part in whether it's a live event or a school trip or a school visit you know that is when i'm fired up that's when i'm like this is what life's about and i i think a lot of people don't understand that they still chase the jets and the instagram lifestyle and that you know that that kind of transformation of like being rich but really richness is like literally love and being with your friends and family i think totally agree and i think it's it's about getting lost in that moment i think the more we can get lost in that moment we're totally present and we're like kids we're just like yay the more and but that could be calm and quiet but i think the more we can find whatever action it is to do that the more we're at ease we're comfortable we're just we're like kids we're happy so you've got two young kids now. So education is becoming more important as your kids will start going to school and whatnot. So what would your, like if you were in charge of education, what would you kind of, what would be a really important thing? Well, obviously exercise is your main, is one of the huge ones, but something else that you think would be a life skill that you would have loved that you think is really important for education, whether you're a parent or whether you're a teacher or whatnot. Um, I think teaching children about the importance of, you know, navigating social media and, like working on their identity and their self-confidence and knowing that you're going into a world of technology and it's going to be everywhere and we're going to be so immersed and I think it's teaching them how to cope with that to cope with online bullying with criticism with negative comments because it it can damage people's confidence for life if you're a kid and you're getting bullied or you're getting some abuse or something online it could really affect you as an adult so I think that is something exercise would be the main thing for the mental health and then I think for the emotional development and, and understanding the world you're about to step into you know, it isn't newspapers and books. It's literally iPads, iPhones, smart tab. Uh, you know, it's going to be, that's the world we're going to be living in. And even now, like, um, kids are getting social media even younger, aren't they? I mean, I, I watched that show about, um, you know, the Netflix social dilemma. social dilemma. And it really affected me. It really affected my, um, my mindset. Cause I thought it's so addictive the way they created and designed. And all the guys that invented the products were like, my kids aren't on social media. And that was a big moment for me. I realized that if they're not on it, and they created it, you can tell how bad it is for people's mental health. So yeah, I think really teaching children the importance of navigating social media and, and stepping away from it and stuff at times will be important. And what's, what are your thoughts on what age you'll give Marley or India phone? Because I know my daughter May, she's 10 now and she's kind of pushed, you know, starting to say my friends all have it. And it's something, you know, it's it's a very difficult one because you want them to be still feel a part of their friend, their social group and their peers. But at the same time, you kind of want to try to educate them. So do you have any thoughts on how you might navigate that? I don't know, because your bond's so close to your children. And when they get that phone, it's like, it's kind of, they're going to start to disconnect because they'll be talking to their friends all the time and they'll be interacting with the, with the Snapchat and the WhatsApp and the TikTok and stuff. So 
it is. It's a, it's a scary moment, but you've almost got to like guide them through it and give them some advice and have sort of limitations on maybe an hour a day or something where it's not all the time. But I imagine India will probably have one around, yeah, 11, 12. But who knows? It depends what the pressure's like. If she's independent and she's going out with friends, I want to be able to contact her. So I did have a phone when I was probably... I must have been about 12 or 13, I think, when I got my first Nokia phone. Wow. I think we were 21. We were 21 when we really? got our first phone. Well, we're, we're, we're 41 now, so we were 21. We were in college, and I remember it was a yellow Nokia phone, and you could do, you could play Snake on it. And you'd charge it once a week. And, you, and your text had to be like 150 characters or something. There was a limit. You know, it was very functional text. It wasn't, hi, how are you doing? Hope your day is well. It was like, meet you here at this time, you know. So why was that? You just your parents didn't let you, or you just didn't fancy you weren't into it. They hadn't. They just kind of come out like they hadn't really. It wasn't mass adoption. There wasn't smartphones. It was you know as you remember, it was it was pretty slow to get going, and it was expensive because you had to put in your twenty euro every couple of weeks to get your credit, yeah. and it was it was a different world. So when know? so when do you think you'll you'll give your kids your phones? Is that too young? Do you think eleven or twelve? Do you think I, that's too young? Yeah, I think I think that. Yeah, I think for me, it's probably as late as possible, you know, while also being sensitive that you don't want them to feel left behind and left out. So I think it's a constant balance. And as you said, I think there's like Elsie's 10. So we got her an iPod there for her birthday. And it took me like a good few hours to figure out how to lock everything on it. Like, so she literally could just have music on it because it's like it's set up to be a connected device. Like, and I really didn't want her to start having an iMessage thing or being able to even get airdrop or being able to take photos or any of this. I really just wanted her to kind of, if you interest in music, listen to music. And maybe I'm going to add, she's learning French at the moment, so I might add Duolingo to it. And maybe that's the start of a slippery yeah, slope. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, I've got one final question for you, Joe. And this is something more. When, so we grew up in Ireland and we were kind of went to a Catholic school and had to kind of go to mass and all this. And when I was around 22, we went, I remember we went to, like Nikki, I remember going to Tony Robbins and thinking, wow, incredible. And it, that was in New York. And then the following week, in total contrast, I went to a silent meditation retreat for 10 days where I was just meditating 12 hours a day. And it was so intense. But I remember coming out going, oh my God, there's, there's something in this stillness. And it's something that I find helps ground me is meditation, mindfulness. And when I feel a bit shaky or a bit rattled or a bit nervous about something, I'll often stop and just slow down and connect with my breath and try to try to be more present. Is there anything that you do to help you? Because you've, you've done some of the most incredible things that people could ever do, like do workouts to thousands of people to be on some phenomenal shows. How do you deal with the pressure, with the stress, with, with kind of this public expectation? Well, I think for me, exercise will always be my main, main, my main go-to, like my therapy. My, it is my meditation, I've realised that. But I actually have started meditating, so I've got the Headspace app. I do sleep casts sometimes before bed, which are quite relaxing. But I do a sort of 15-minute guided meditation. Sometimes they're on gratitude. Sometimes it's on letting go of stress or being grateful, you know. And it, they're lovely. Like, it really has It's changed me. I'm not doing it every day. I'm not as disciplined as that, but... I do it about three days a week. And on those mornings I do it, I really just feel a bit lighter. I feel more grounded. I feel a little bit more patient with the kids. So, yeah, I think a combination of exercise and meditation is just a really great way of taking care of your mind and body. Um, and just on the subject of the silent retreat, Nikki just went and did a five-day... Well, this is a few months ago, sorry. Nikki went to um, Devon and done a five-day silent retreat, his first one, and he, he absolutely loved it. You know, he said it was the most incredible thing. But I don't think I would be able to last 
five days without any talking and you'd be surprised you'd be surprised one thing i've started we started doing it maybe a year or two ago as a parent with my kids is every night going to bed we'd my wife is polish and she'd say a prayer in polish and we'd all say five things we're grateful for and it was something to try to cultivate a sense of gratitude in our kids and it's something that it kind of as a parent it reminds me what my kids actually really value and during their day some could go oh the chocolate cake or it could go a oh, pe or it could have been basketball or it could have been something and it's something that i've found very um yeah, kind of enriching. I have a, I have a couple a of rapid a couple of rapid fire food questions. So you just worked out what's your typical post workout food? So I'm probably going to go downstairs and have like um, I'll have a protein shake with a banana, some almond milk, and some peanut butter, and a bit of um, a bit of ice, and then I love that in a blender. Then I'll have probably classic avocado on toast, with a couple of fried eggs, a bit of chili flakes, and some. You know what I'm going to say. You're pesto. I'm obsessed with it. So firstly, <laughs> I think it's a tragedy that you cannot buy over here anymore because I. I loved it, and it was just like it's the. I've never had a pesto like it, the green one. And then um, your brother sent me some um, red hummus, and I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. But oh my god, the roasted red pepper hummus! Marley's been dipping his carrot in it, and he had the whole thing, and he was sticking his hand; it was all over his face. They are two very good products. I really think you should have another crack over here with them, man. Brilliant. Okay, another another kind of food-related question. What would your advice for someone that wants to build a little muscle and doesn't eat meat? What are your thoughts in terms of that? Well, there's so, I mean, this is about education. I used to think that all the bodybuilders in the world had steak for breakfast, like 20 egg whites. And, you know, that was the way. But there's some incredible vegan athletes. I mean, look at you guys. You're vegan. I've seen your calves. You've got incredible calves. (laughs) You're always lean. You're always strong. So it's about just getting a healthy balance, you know, a diet of, you know, like beans and grains and pulses. And there's so much protein in all these things that people just assume you know, it's minimal, right? But it's when you combine, like you said, when you get a good book that teaches you the combinations of different amino acids and what you need to combine, you can still get all the protein you need as a, as a veggie and a vegan. So you boys are the leaders in that in that respect. <laughs> Love it. Good one, Joe. Okay, final question. Okay, three new foods for the kitchen that you'd recommend. So three new foods. I'm really into, um, I'm using a lot of uh, mushrooms at the moment. Like I just, I think they're so good, like in a stew or in a... Um, you know, in a risotto or even like in like we've just scrambled eggs. So mushrooms I've got into, but not just normal like button like mushrooms. Oysters, like oysters, shiitake. Fancy, or... All the funny little shaped ones, yeah. So I'd say oysters. I also think a, a tin of coconut milk is really good because you can make such great curries and a good base for um, something sweet or something savoury. Um, and then the third thing I'd be, I actually think um, mixed grains. You know, mixed, I, I've got like, um, there's a packet of, uh, it's called, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like got, quinoa lentils beans it's all like ready to go so it's a bit of a cheat but i throw it in the microwave and i have that with like um one of my you know lunch or dinners and it just kind of speeds things up so i'd say one of those mixed grains bags uh, i'm gonna wrap up with what's next for you joe like you've just got it's an mb or it was an ob or mb what that's uh, can you yeah, explain what that is the, um, did you get to go to the palace or anything no that's why i'd like to meet the queen because i got the mb but i haven't been able to meet her but the next year is all about really continuing the mission with the schools you know hopefully getting back on the road you know coming to ireland all over the uk visiting schools and obviously the app's doing really well in the uk right now but we're going to launch it in the us and australia and do like a global um campaign so that'll be exciting and then um just trying to be the you know the best inspiring person i can be and reach people through my free content on youtube and instagram and just keep promoting exercise for mental health and and good food for your fitness and health you know do we call you sir joe wicks now no, that's a night, isn't it? I'm not a sir, but I'm happy with the MBA, but I still don't go around saying, oh, Joe Wicks MBA. I don't put it on my uh, emails or anything. <laughs> Very good. Brilliant, oh, Joe. Joe, you're brilliant. You really are. You're, you're a gentleman. Oh, thank you so much, guys. Yeah. It's lovely to speak to you. And I, 
I'm, I'm so glad you've invited me on as a guest. And I, I just love what you guys do. You're always spreading such a positive message. And I, I, I get a lot of energy watching your stories and watching your, your content. I always have. So I'm one of the people that l- love you from the bottom of my heart. Thanks, Likewise, Joe. The feeling's mutual. So, yeah, thanks, Mil, Cheers, Joe. Boys. You're a star. Lots of love. Cheers, Have Joe. a great day, and I'll see you soon. I'll come over for a, a sea swim soon, yeah? Brilliant. Brilliant. Love it. it. Cheers, thanks, Joe, babe. Mind yourself. Cheers, guys. Thanks a million for listening to that. I really hope you got as much out of it as we did. There's a real depth to Joe that maybe you might necessarily see in social media. Yeah, he really is. What a, like, really, I find that so inspiring. Next week, we have an incredible guest. We have the wonderful Dr. Megan Rossi. Megan is a gut health specialist, and we explore the importance of the gut-brain axis, what a microbiome, what a microbiota, and things that you can apply to your life to improve your gut health and your immune system. Please like, subscribe if you're interested in this and share with other people. We're most grateful for your attention. And big shout out to Super Value, who we are recording this podcast with. We have over 50 food products from hummuses to pestos to granolas to soups in Super Value stores nationwide. They're wonderful to deal with. And big shout out to them for sponsoring this podcast. Thanks again. Dave and Steve here. Over and out. Yeah.